The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I'm so excited to have Kimberly Seals Allers with me. And Kimberly is an award-winning journalist, a five-time author, international speaker, strategist, and an advocate for maternal and infant health. She's the former senior editor at Essence and a writer at Fortune magazine. Kimberly is also a leading voice on the racial and sociocultural complexities of birth, breastfeeding, and motherhood. She's the founder of Earth, which is a new Yelp-like business uh, or app for black and brown parents to address bias and racism in maternity and infant care. Kimberly is also has also created Birthright, which is a podcast about joy and healing in birth, birth, black birth that centers positive black birth stories as a tool in the fight for birth justice and the reverse of the narrative of negative statistics that is common in mainstream media coverage of black maternal health. So um, thank you so much for joining me today, Kimberly. I really, thank you really so appreciate much for the having me. to talk to you. Awesome. I'm, I'm okay. glad to be here. Okay, so how did you um, first come into the birth world? How did you, <laughs> what was your first experience? Well, you know, as you mentioned, I am a journalist by trade. So I was having a wonderful career in journalism. And like many women, when I became pregnant and a mother myself, um, you know, much of my priorities shifted. And so I found that with my first pregnancy, I was researching, doing all the things and was completely unaware of the disparities, you know, that black women were twice as likely to have a low birth rate baby, three times more likely to have a preterm birth, you know, how many more times likely to die during childbirth. So I was scared. I didn't understand. Um, and, you know, as a journalist, I was searching for answers. And the ones that I found were really unacceptable and they really didn't seem to be very clear. And I just found it completely unacceptable that in the 2000s, even in the early 2000s, that we were, that Black women were a bit of a medical mystery when it came to our birth outcomes. And so I really set upon doing what I do, which is really around writing um, and using communication as a tool to address this issue. So my very first book came out back in 2005, The Mocha Manual to a Fabulous Pregnancy, which was the first of its kind lifestyle guidebook to really look at the sociocultural influences around Black women and their birth outcomes. And so that book really became the starting point for me to go on to speak, uh, work, work in community, and co to continue a whole body of work, um, including four additional books that have got me to where I am today. So, but that's how it, it all started. Okay, so tell me about Earth. Tell me like how it came to be, what services it provides. Just tell me all the meaty goodness about Earth. Earth is a Yelp-like review and rating app for black and brown women and birthing people to find and leave reviews of OBGYNs, birthing hospitals, and pediatricians. And, you know, I feel like the idea kind of started with my own birth experience. When I had my first child, I was uh, finishing up grad school in New York City, asked colleagues and, and, and other folks that I knew from where I worked where to deliver. 
and received rave reviews uh, for this one particular hospital. I also checked those best of hospital lists that are often in many media outlets, try to do my due diligence. But I went to the same hospital and left traumatized. I had a C-section I still couldn't explain. And uh, I remember fighting to have my baby with me. I remember they gave my baby formula when I said I was yeah. breastfeeding. So many things. And I was like, wow, I'm having a completely different experience from everything else that I heard and read. And in retrospect, I realized that the people that I asked were my white girlfriends. Um, and that at that point in time in my life, I was not yet married. And uh, because I was in grad school, I was on student insurance and I was treated like an unwed black woman with basic insurance. And that experience never left me. Um, and it reminded me that people are not being treated the same way, even at the same place, and that who you are matters. And we've seen that play out in data um, over the years, the ways that provider bias shows up, the ways that yeah. black and brown communities are receiving lesser care studies out of Stanford showing that Black and Latina infants in the NICU were not receiving the same standard of care as white infants. And so this is now, I mean, it was all kind of affirmation for what I was feeling. Um, mm -hmm. And then as I got into this work, I was constantly working on projects with the Kellogg Foundation in different cities, hearing these stories, many times attending funerals in cities where I was working because there was a maternal death. And I really just wanted to create a place for these stories to be captured and for them to be used for a tool for change. Yeah. So, we, so yeah, so with Earth, we take these qualitative experiences, these reviews, and we turn them into quantitative data that we can now go to hospitals and say, here exactly is what's going on in your institution. Oh my gosh, that that's so be powerful because yeah. then they can actually see it in a scientific way and they love that kind of data, right? And, and, they can, and then they can measure their change, right? Correct. And that's what it's been missing. Hospitals are investing in anti-bias trainings, but, you know, it's more of a social science approach. Take an implicit bias test. And we're saying, no, you need to understand what bias looks and feels like from that patient experience. So Earth can provide real-time patient-reported insights to hospitals for them to begin to see what this looks like. And to your point, you can't change what you can't see. And if you're right. not it, you can't measure it. And so we want to, one, become this tracking and monitoring mechanism for people to see whether their current efforts are working. We want those efforts to be informed by the lived experience of care, like literally on um, what's going on in the app. And we want to use this knowledge that we're developing to down the line, develop education, credentials, and ultimately mm -hmm. hospital accreditation. My vision is that Earth becomes that good housekeeping seal of approval for black and brown birthing people and parents so that they will not use a provider or, or they can go to a provider who is Earth approved with some sense of confidence that this person at a hospital has received a, uh, a series or, or consistently good reviews. Perhaps they've taken some of our courses. They've earned a credential and that we are actually creating our own standard of care um, that's rooted in our lived experience and how we perceive racism and bias in our patient interactions. I love that. So can white people also use the platform in, in reporting things that they see going on or, or they've asked or how do how do how do allies use this platform? Yeah, such a great question. So right now we are prioritizing black and brown birthing people and we have asked white uh, women um, and allies to not use the app at this time. The fact of the matter is we need white women in the app. And to be honest, my real vision is that for Earth to, re to reach its full potential, we need white women checking reviews. Like I love it when white women say, hey, if the doctor's mm. not using 
if a doctor. So they can use the reviews to make choices and support the the institutions that are um, very inclusive, that, but not use the app to like actually write their reviews, but use it to guide their choices. Because I would much rather go to a provider that is um, friendly to everyone. <laughs> then, that's correct. Right? Is that and that's and that's exactly what we want. And and ultimately, and let me just be clear: we will be inviting white women to leave reviews because on the back end, we need the data. We need to see distinctions, right? Perhaps a hospital provider is just crappy to everybody, and that needs to be illuminated as well. That's but right true. now, we are centering black and brown folks, and so we're asking white women to not leave reviews because we want to create that safe space so that everybody knows this is a a platform that has been created for black and brown women and birthing people. But to your point, you know, we need ultimately our vision is for white women to use earth in their own decision making because no, everyone should be saying, hey, if you're not treating black and brown folks, well, I'm not going to you either. And so for earth to reach its full potential is exactly what you're saying. When white women use it for their own decision making, show their provider, hey, I was checking this out. It's looking good or it's not looking good. And so they can also validate um, Earth with their own providers and in their own provider interactions. That's amazing. Wow. So what are some of, I mean, you, you said some of the examples that happened to you, but what are some of the most common examples of racial bias that you, that you see coming up? Well, you know, one of the things that we do in the Earth app is that we ask people around their experiences and what that looks like to them, because I think that's really important to not to understand what I think it is, but how a patient perceives that, because that's their story and that's their experience. And we need to make sure that there's not a disconnect in that translation mm -hmm. between that provider and that patient. So we have a number of tiles that people can respond to. Some of them go from dismissiveness of pain levels, which as we know, mm. um, actually there was quote unquote research that said that black people, black women had higher pain thresholds and physicians actually didn't believe that we um, received pain in the same way. That has, you know, that is the ways that racism and bias has infiltrated research and that research has been put into practice, right? So when we talk about systemic, we boil. understand- mm. Yeah, when, when we talk about systemic, we, under, we, we need to understand that somebody approved that research. I'm sure it was peer reviewed. It made it way into academic journals and began to be accepted. And that's why, and so, so these are some of the things. So dismissiveness of pain levels is very common. Um, we have diagnostic tests that are delayed or never happened. Um, obviously long waiting times for, for yourself, lack of eye contact, rude comments and stereotypes, questions being asked are, are irrelevant. We see mm -hmm. lots of pregnant people showing up to the hospital with pain or issues, and they're being questioned about whether they want this pregnancy. They're being questioned about whether they're married. Where is the father? These are irrelevant questions when you are presenting yourself at a hospital for care. So we can wow. see how stereotypes about black and brown people, particularly black women, infiltrate the ways they are perceived and infiltrate the way they are uh, treated um, when they are receiving care because people are acting upon their own belief system and, and yeah. determining how much care you deserve, how much, what, and what's the quality of that care that you deserve. So um, I hope this question comes out clearly because I feel like it's one of the steps to understanding um, how racial bias occurs. But 
how because some of those are specifically wow that's very racial other of them other of them feel some somewhat in the gray area how do you know when a microaggression is done because of a racial reason or just because you have to have you happen to have a crappy doctor because like i've as as a white birthing woman i've had horrible horrible experiences but i wouldn't say that i, w- I wouldn't say that they were racially racially um obviously they weren't racially uh biased but it's just how do you know when something's racial or something is like is there like a cascade of of things that happen that you know if they ask you if you're an unwed mother then you're more likely to get a c-section like what you know how do you how do you know the difference well i i don't think i think it's for that person to determine right so when people Mm -hmm. give a response and when you as a white person or an ally are listening it's really not to determine whether there is validity. It is if that person felt like that, then that is what it is. And when people live in black skin and they travel in this world all their lives, they know, they absolutely know the difference. I absolutely know the difference when I take my children to the hospital or to the doctor, when people perk up, when I remind them where I went to school, when they think that I'm a journalist, like I, I know what it is. And, mm. and so you know, I don't participate in, in what some need to define and what is it? No, it's if people say it, then that's what it is. Um, and so, you know, I think that that is the most important part. Black and brown folks know what it is. Um, I think we see this right now as we even when we think about sexual assault right now. Do you say to somebody, you know, a, a woman who says she was made uncomfortable? Do you question that or do you accept that? It's a very that's a very good point. The only the only thing is and when we're trying to be more. Uh, racially aware we're we're trying to get rid of these biases if we don't specifically know what it is about I mean what made my birth traumatic was that because I was a young mother or was it because I was a young black mother like it's really hard to see the you know where it was so that how do we educate people on hey don't do this knock it off yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it may be hard for you. It's not hard for me, right? So mm-hmm. part of the issue is kind of understanding how people move differently, right? And like I said, I had spoken to at least, so in my personal example, I had spoken to at least 10 women, uh, 10 people who had recommended this hospital and told me all about the care mm-hmm. that they received, everything that was standard, everything that they did for them. So I had a um, benchmark, right? Not to mention what I read in reviews, what was often in this own hospital's materials about the care that they provide and what is considered normal. So sometimes you can di- compare it against that. I mean, other times, if someone is saying something to you that you just know is not correct, then you just know it's not correct. I, I'm, you know, I think that's an important thing that we validate people's experiences and not yeah, expect them to have to explain everything. Again, to that similar example around yeah, sexual assault, if a woman is saying that she felt harassed, that she felt uncomfortable, are, are we questioning her about that? Mm-hmm. Or are we believing that she was uncomfortable, right? And I may not have been uncomfortable in that situation. In that same situation, I could have responded differently. Maybe I would have kicked the person, who knows? But mm-hmm. I don't question her experience in that matter. Mm -hmm. And so similarly, we don't really question when black people feel that they are experiencing something that is bias and racism or a microaggression or a very, you know, a a macroaggression. Mm -hmm. Um, We believe them and we accept that. Yeah. Um, I I just know as a a filmmaker, I've been to lots of births where um, sometimes I'll see this birth and from my eyes, the birth goes very smoothly. The midwife is very competent. The client's treated 
lovely. And then the client is very traumatized and I'm literally surprised by the trauma. There's other times where I watch a birth and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so traumatic. Oh my gosh, that provider is totally out of hand. Oh my gosh, that's so wrong. And then the client ends up not being traumatized. And as um, on birth circle, we also have a rating system, much like earth. And um, we sometimes get emails from birth professionals that says this review was unfair. I treated this client perfectly and she gave me a bad review. How do we help providers become more aware of what they're doing? If, if so, here's, so here's the answer. It is really not about the provider understanding. It's really just about the provider listening and accepting. One of the things that we also do with the data that we collect in earth is that we do try to be that bridge. We do try to become that translation so that we can go to a provider and say, hey, listen, we've got 10,000 earth reviews. 80% of these women are saying this is happening. Maybe it's lack of eye contact. Maybe it's dismissiveness about pain. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it was a rude comment. Maybe it was a question based on a stereotype. And then we try to really decode it. And I think your point is valid is that people are not um, are not always clear about what that looks like to the to the person on the other end. But when we can begin to identify specific behaviors that people report as they do an Earth app, now we can analyze that, we can quantify that, we can really show frequency to providers. This is how we really want to change the game. And to your point, this is why I feel very strongly that current anti-bias trainings, which only really kind of do an abstract approach, a little social science, talk about your childhood, are really failing uh, black and brown women and, and, and failing all of us in those goals because there are no specifics. People walk away thinking, I'm not racist, I'm not biased, and they aren't even aware how the smaller things matter. Um, and so this is really what Earth seeks to do in terms of turning these qualitative experiences into quantitative data so that we now can that. see um, what are these things and what are the behaviors and how often are they happening in your particular facility? Okay, so let me get this straight because I'm loving this train of thought. Okay, so basically you're asking um, birthing people to express their experience in a safe environment. Then you are taking that and aggregating the data and basically saying 80% felt this, 20%, and basically making... Um, collect like statement this is where the biggest problems are and then taking that to the providers and helping them understand because you're right sometimes yes. it's not the responsibility of the traumatized to educate their tra their abusers exactly and so you being that third party and a able to aggregate the the data so it's it's easy for you it's it's easier for you as a group to take this data and say look this isn't just a, a one experience this is Correct. a trend that's alarming. Let's have a discussion about Correct. it. And like, then you also as a safe mm -hmm. third party, because you are not the, the specific abuse. And that's also, I work with so many abused women that um, they can't face, they can't go back to the doctor and say, what you did to me felt like rape, what you did to me messed me up and, and, and it hurts deeply. It's, it's almost impossible to ask a victim to do that, right? Of course. And you don't have any, you don't have any recourse, you yeah. know, people people don't have, you know, after a baby, you don't have the emotional or financial wherewithal to try to fight at a hospital institution or advocate for yourself. That's just not where you're at. You're trying to get through a day with a newborn. Um, and you don't really believe that anything you've put in some patient uh, satisfaction survey is, is meaningful. And so that's why Earth exists, so that you can have a Love place. That. And I tell everyone, you share your experience for Earth, I promise you, 
that we will pool it with others and we will go and push for change. Our backend is designed to run reports, to look for trends, and that is the, uh, and that is the work that we do um, as we build this platform. Awesome. Okay, brilliant. All right, so then this question is, um, is directed towards um, when a birthing person is processing their trauma. Um, so many times medical racism it's, it's harder to detect because it can come in the form of like gaslighting or certain care just being quietly withheld by a provider. Like you experienced that where it felt like you just didn't get the same experience that your peers did. So when it's super subtle, how can a person uh, look back on their experience and go, that was definitely, that was definitely abuse and, and what they can do to then prevent it in the future and, and protect each other their, their other peers. Yeah. And I think it's clear, it's important to note that these subtleties have been documented, right? Like there's one landmark study that showed that uh, physicians were giving different treatment options to hypothetical white patients than they did to hypothetical black patients presenting with the same symptoms. So this is not um, an, an abstract notion. It's actually been proven. For sure. That, but in the hearts that, of the woman, it's so hard sometimes because women are excellent at gaslighting themselves. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they, you know, they often want, don't want to believe. Um, but I think on the opposite side for black and brown folks, we are used to being mistreated and we probably expect it. So, you know, we tend to be more on guard mm. and aware because this is our life. We have always expected that unless we fight and speak up, that we're not going to receive the same quality of treatment. This is what happens in education. This is what happens in healthcare. This is what happens in the criminal justice system. So we don't have an expectation of fair and equal treatment. So we know that we have to be prepared to fight for it. And so I think that very different framing and approach is critical to how we address the issue. So what are some of the things, the tools that you would um, give to someone in helping them defend themselves and fight for what they want? Well, what they deserve. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I don't do, to be quite honest, is feel like we have to arm women. You are there to give birth. I'm more focused on holding these institutions accountable um, and that what we really need to do is to point the finger at those who are literally responsible for keeping us alive, for those who are being paid to provide a service where they are profoundly and disproportionately failing. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I direct my energies. Of course, we want all women to educate themselves about the medical system Black and brown people should be very aware of the racism and the, hist the racist history of the medical system, the fact that the medical institution was not built for us, the fact that Dr. Marion Sims, who was considered the father of OBGYN, literally built his reputation by using enslaved women for subjects without their permission mm. and without anesthesia. So this is why we don't ask women to try to save themselves in a system where they cannot. They cannot. And so if you're talking about some basic advocacy tools, absolutely. But I do not want to assume people have a power mm. um, in a system that they really don't have. That's disingenuous and it's not fair. So certainly, you know, we have lots of tools for that. We have an ebook on um, earthapp.com birth with earth, the, the, the mini manual to pregnancy and childbirth for black people, where we offer um, in our free ebook some tools, which obviously we are big advocates of doulas, having um, people there who can support you. We are big advocates of thinking about a childbirth center. What can more black people do um, to have out of hospital births? 
there was an interesting article in the New York Times in March about this issue and that more Black women are seeking out of hospital births because they are aware. So how do we shift ourselves, not just into arming people to survive the hospital system, but actually pointing them toward solutions that have been proven to give them better outcomes and then working to make sure those solutions are more accessible and affordable for them. I love that. I also believe that um, when we say things, <laughs> our, our grandchildren are going to look back on this and, and just laugh because they will live in a completely different world. So describe the world that you envision um, that specifically um, how this is going to change in the future. Well, in the world that I envision, you know, my my children and grandchildren will be able to birth without bias, that they will, one, um, if I prefer for them to have a birth in a childbirth center, um, that we have thought as a culture that medicalizing birth does not make any sense. Birth is not a medical event and does should not occur in a hospital anyway for anyone, right? And we've learned the folly of that in this pandemic where pregnant birthing people were forced to go into a place where there were sick people when they are not sick. Mm -hmm. We are really the only industrialized nation that continues this practice. And it's really based on profit. It has nothing to do with what's best for mothers, what's best for infants, what's best for birthing people. So the world that I envision for all of us is when we're, we, where we have um, equal access to out of hospital settings and that birth is not a medical event um, that has to happen in hospital and you don't have any other options, particularly those that are covered by your insurance. So that's the world that I'm going for, that we can make, that we can normalize uh, childbirth centers, that we can normalize home births, that midwives are not criminalized as they are in too many states in this country. That is the world that I'm looking for because that's going to help everybody um, do better. And then at the same time, where we can really dismantle some of these, some of the racism and bias that continues to permeate um, within the medical system today. Mm -hmm. One of the most powerful things I see um, in my birthing world when I, when I go to birth, I love when I see an alignment between the provider and the client. And sometimes that's a cultural alignment. Sometimes that's a racial alignment. Um, I am very involved in the deaf community. And so I see that a lot there that sometimes, uh, well, actually a lot of times a deaf woman is um, going to experience a lot of these, uh, no, it's not the color of her skin, but it is definitely a language barrier and a, and a cultural barrier when she gives birth just mainstream. And yet when she um, gives birth with a sensitive um, midwife who knows even just a little bit of ASL and a doula that, that is fluent in ASL, her experience is wildly different. So mm -hmm. can you tell me more about, um, can you speak to like the importance of bringing culturally, what's, what's the word I'm looking for, cultural alignment to your birth space and how that can help feel, um, make the experience more safe? Yeah, I mean, I define cultural alignment as giving birth with somebody who looks like you. Um, that's that's true cultural alignment yeah. is when um, if we look at even with midwives, the history, we know that the midwifery field was predominantly black. Um, we know that racism really erased um, the black, the granny midwives. We know that white Lives. women were actually reinstituted into midwifery in ways that black women weren't. And so there's racism there, too. So cultural alignment is for black and brown folks is giving birth surrounded by people who look like you. Um, if at all possible. That is the definition of cultural alignment in its truest sense. Um, outside of that, you have people who are, you know, trying their best 
and and that is phenomenal and important and and needs to continue but cultural alignment is being surrounded by people who look like you yeah in, in that moment so you're saying um and i love your point about the victims or that well just anyone in the birthing birthing space it's not their responsibility to change the system the system is broken and it's it's impossible for them to change that system but that what you just said may be one of the first steps just simply try to birth with someone that looks like you and that will that will help in so many other ways yeah and i think it, it's not a panacea i mean on on um the birthright podcast we center joy and positivity and we look at positive birth experiences because i think that we need to dissect those as well for learning mm-hmm. it seems like we pathologize black women and we are constantly learning from dire statistics or from their deaths And I think that there are lessons to be learned in positive experiences. And so in many of these stories I've been listening to and enjoying, um, we do see that to be a common thread. Either they have been out of hospital or they have been supported by midwives, um, midwives who look like them, uh, doulas or an OBGYN. Um, And so that is a that is a starting point, you know, and how do we make that more accessible? I know there are apps out there like Health and Her Hue to help people find uh, providers who look like them, you know, so these things are happening because you're, you're correct. That is a very important first step to having one culture alignment. But in my experience, listening to these stories, a positive birth experience can be around um, having people look like you as your provider. Yeah. The other thing that I think is critically important and the distinction I always make about midwives and doulas versus OBGYNs is just the their model of care, right? And so what people love and get, learn from, from having a doula, from having a midwife, are the things that you are taught about your own body. It is not that they're telling you, um, oh, you should do this. They are teaching you about the process. So when something happens out of the process, you know to yes, ask, wait a minute, I love that. is I love this... That does this really require, you know, surgery? It does this, you are empowered to ask the question yourself and, um, and also to participate in that decision-making. Now, of course, we believe, and I believe that a birthing person should be allowed to just be a birthing person, right? You're giving birth. Everything else should, you know, someone else should be like, looking out. You, you should be the princess fight. of your space and no one else. Like <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And certainly, you know, certainly not feel like you have to fight Um, the people around you. And so when we talk about alignment, it's about everyone who's supporting you has the same vision in mind, right? Mm -hmm. They're all aligned on what a positive outcome looks like. And unfortunately, as much as you may have, you may even have someone who looks like you, unless there is alignment as to what a positive experience looks like, what your outcome is, then there's still going to be trauma. Making mm-hmm. sure that and your so, provider is um, in alignment with you as to what a positive outcome looks like. If, they're, exactly. if their definition of a positive outcome is different than your definition of a positive outcome, there's a misalignment no matter what. No matter what. I love no that what. because that can also I, be across yeah. racial lines as well. If, if, if you have a white um, 70-year-old OB, but he says to you, my definition of success is that you get to breastfeed the way you want or whatever you're, and, and that is your definition of success, you may have an amazing experience with him because he's aligned with your outcome. But but you're going to ask, oh, I love that. So maybe one of the questions in the interview process of your provider is simply, what's a positive outcome to you? What does a positive outcome look like to you? Is that a, yeah, is that a good I question to ask? ask? 
That's a great question. You know, I think asking specific questions about their C-section rates and, and how often that happens. Like we have to, you know, I think birth has been commercialized. And so yeah. we're, we're so focused on strollers and we're not thinking about <laughs> um, and, and cribs and all the things that they want us to buy. But we're not asking the really important questions. I mean, even in our in my breastfeeding advocacy work, we ask people to ask their pediatrician where where were they trained in breastfeeding education? Right. Like these are the things where we have to become smarter consumers. Mm-hmm. so that we can be more empowered birthing people by asking questions. Um, our healthcare system in this country is woefully lacking, but it is a consumerist approach and we can use our consumer yeah. approach to our advantage by exercising our ability to walk. I love and that. So Exercise your ability to walk. <laughs> yeah. And I think too many people view their doctor as a dictator and not as a person who can be, you know, replaced with somebody else. He's your and employee. So, He's your, your exactly. contractor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's that's the advocacy work that we need to I do. It's that. not what what you need to do in the birthing room. It's the questions you need to ask eight months, nine months prior at that before you even sign up with this I person. Um, and I think that can help mitigate some of the other trauma that you experience on the back end if you ask more questions on the front end. Well, even those general questions, because so many people are like, well, what if he wants to cord clamps early? What if he wants to da, 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 da? And, and you're saying way, way back when you first get pregnant, you just ask these very simple open questions and see how they align with your positive outcome, your, your ideal positive outcome. Because some ideal positive outcomes are very different. I mean, some people's positive ideal outcomes would be my traumas. <laughs> so exactly. the most important exactly. thing is you need to be aligned. So, okay, I want to go back to the, the great service that Earth provides. So when you aggregate this data and you come up with these trends, then you go and educate the providers about what they can, they can do to, to be better. So spe- speak specifically to, like, what are you telling them? You know, how are you explaining this to them so that they don't get feel like they're up in arms and they're, they don't get all defensive, but they, they can see it with an open mind and make changes. Mm-hmm. Well, first, Sarah, let me just say, like, I really don't care what they think. I'm not here to center providers' feelings. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm centering the people who are dying. So whether they feel okay about it is the least of my issues, right? So my biggest concern, but I do agree. Well, there are so many that providers you, that want to be better and do better, but where do you go for that information is they can sure, come to absolutely. earth, right? And, and yeah, absolutely. And this is what I say to them. Listen, you can't change what you can't see. You can't change what you can't see. And we can't manage what we don't measure. And so that's what, that's the tool that we provide. And hospitals can contact us. Sometimes we can contact them. That is the model that we're developing. But, you know, we want to be that bridge for them, but they have to be willing to do the work. This is not a pussyfooting game. Mm-hmm. People are dying. And I take that very seriously. And so if someone is, is centering their feelings, their emotions, say it nicely, then they're not ready to really do this work. They're simply talking, talking and it's not real. That is a good point. Have let people reflect on them. Um, but your, your information on, bir- on earth is very, um, when, when people are ready to learn, ready to make changes, ready to change systemic policies in their hospitals, in their field of influence, Earth has those resources to help yeah. them. And also, I just want to say that, you know, what we're doing is we're creating public accountability and transparency, mm-hmm. right? And my goal is to help consumers use their consumer power. Yeah. Now, do I think that every hospital cares about racism and bias? I, I don't know. 
Do I think that they care about their reviews and raising their reputation in the media and in rankings and in lists? That I actually mm-hmm. think they care about. So and so that is why we are leveraging consumer forces. You know, at some some people will come because they are genuinely committed. Some people will come mm-hmm. because they have to because they are aware that they are that their reputation. And this is the other thing I want to say about why Earth is so important. In in the very near future, we will be calling upon white women to use their allyship and to show their allyship by using Earth, mm-hmm. right? And so now white women should be saying. If to a provider or a hospital, if you're not treating black and brown folks well, I'm not going to you either. Mm-hmm. So in my real vision, right, a white woman takes out her Earth app, looks at their reviews, goes to her provider and says, hey, I've been noticing your Earth reviews on great. I'm not going to be coming here anymore. And this is why. Right. So now we all women yep. use their consumer power in service of those being disproportionately harmed by this system. That is really mm-hmm. the power of Earth. When when white women as well engage and say what in what's in Earth matters to me too. And that's the real power and, and the real point where we can move the system. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask a, a clarifying question about something you said before. And I agree with you, but when we're seeking to fix these things and, and make things right and change cultural overall, there's going to be a lot of awkward mistakes. There's going to be a lot of bumbling around. There's going to be a lot of people that are trying to do well and end up doing worse. And so what I'm asking um, is, and I really appreciate what you said, your perspective, what you said about um, we're not pandering to their feelings, but at the same time, I worry that so many people want to do better, but when they try and do better and they make a mistake or they don't, they don't quite get all the way there, they get kind of slapped in the face of, oh, you didn't do it 100% right. You're, you're like, what an idiot. You just made yourself look stupid. And so then they retreat back and go, wow, am I really, really, can I be even culturally sensitive? Is this even a lost cause for me? And, and so that's what I'm... Well, I think the answer to this is why, you know, I mean, I think that's a really valid point. And I agree. People need space to grow and to falter on their learning journeys on their, um, as they're improving in this area. I think you're absolutely right. And I say that all the time. People have to have space to make mistakes because if not, folks get silent and they don't say anything. And as far as I'm concerned, that's what we saw in terms of white women and their voter turnout, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe if we had given folks some space to say what was their concern, we wouldn't have been so shocked to see how many white women actually voted in favor of white supremacy and the patriarchy. So I think that is incredibly valid and something that is of concern. Um, and I think that why, this is why we need kind of an external monitoring system. We monitor so much. And so we're simply saying that once you, let's say a hospital is working with us, we, we are going to track your reviews, which should be improving as you're implementing these things, right? And so how do we measure how that is going on. It's not about you failed. It's mm. about, well, let's see if that patient experience is improving. And if we all agree that, that that the milestone that we're measuring is that patient experience, then that should be improving all the time. We work with hospitals and they set their own goals around how much of an improvement they would like to see, what what that looks like, that. right? And so, and so they're working with leave. you, not the, not, the in, not the actual birthing people. They're working with you to get those numbers up and you can provide that, provide that, um, structured feedback and helping them guide their changes. Yes. 
Awesome. And and the tracking and evaluation, right? I mean, we're not we're not making up the reviews. So if yep. it's if as I say, the proof is in the pudding. So if it's getting better, then it, it will get better. If it's not, then we need to go back, see what's not working, maybe add something, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all a process. Yeah. And I think nobody is expecting miracles and you know, it's 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 ongoing work and that's a very it has to have a realistic time horizon and some realistic um milestones and, and improvement points. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we just have a couple of minutes left. Can you tell me more about your podcast and all of the yummy things that happen on your podcast? Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, you know, one of the things I've been pretty vocal about is my concern that the whole narrative of black maternal health is doom and gloom. It is negative statistics. It is someone else has died. And I know that this is stoking fear among black birthing people. I literally get the emails from people who are afraid. I get emails from men, fathers, husbands who are afraid for their wives. And I just feel like fear has been used to control women in general mm-hmm. and black people in particular in this country for a long time. I don't have to tell you about the history of birth and how they made us so afraid of pain. We agree to all sorts of things, right? And so this idea of using fear is very concerning to me and that we're only, you know, we do maternal mortality review boards, but what about learning from something else besides our deaths? So including those near misses. And so what birthright is about is really reclaiming joy as a weapon in our <laughs> fight for birth equity and that we, we can actually turn joy into a tool um, in, in our birth justice work. And so birthright centers positive birth stories. Um, we, I dissect them as a journalist at heart by uh, going through to say, well, who was there? What happened? What did this person do? Not just to hear a story like it's a fairy tale, but to better understand what, what involved because most of these stories required work, right? Yes. <laughs> they didn't just happen by random. Um, and so that's another thing that we do. And then secondly on birthright, what I'm incredibly proud of is that I'm bringing a restorative justice model to black birth. And in those episodes, we take someone who actually has, has some trauma and we take them on a healing journey. And my goal there is that not everybody may have joy or have a positive experience, but we can all get to joy or at least some healing. And I think there's a lot of un- unaddressed trauma uh, among Black birthing people. And I've carried my own around my own birth regret um, and that, that we could heal. And so those are my goals to share positive stories and to take people on healing experiences. So that's what we do um, every other Wednesday. Okay, so how else can people be involved with you? How can they follow you um, and and learn more about Earth and, and about you and your work? Yeah, thank you so much. So, all of the things. Uh, all of the things. Um, you can certainly all learn more at earthapp.com. Earth is available in the Google Play and the Apple App Store, so please download, share with others. As folks leave reviews, we really want to target folks when they're pregnant so they can begin leaving prenatal reviews. We also accept birthing reviews from the hospitals, uh, your postpartum visit, as well as pediatric visits up to one year. So we're, our goal is to really try to capture this perinatal experience that's mm-hmm. going on. So certainly, if you know someone has given birth in the past two years, please tell them about Earth and ask them to leave a review. We always say search for yourself and leave a review for your community. Um, and then I can be found at I am K Seals Allers, I A M K Seals Allers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can follow the Earth app on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, and please, you know, get in touch. We love to hear your feedback. We are constantly iterating on the user experience, how we can improve. Um, we, you know, have a roadmap plan, but we're constantly thinking through what what's what our community needs. So 
Yep. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got your ear to the ground. You are very, very customer centric, listening to what's being needed. So they, can they contact you rather than leaving a, a review, which isn't super ha- helpful? How do they contact you if they have feedback about the app? Can they just go to the website? Can they can they contact you through the website and say, hey, what if we did this or hey, this isn't working for me? Correct. On the website, we have our help center. We have our contact form, whether you want to reach out to partner with us, whether you want to reach out because you're having a tech issue, that would go straight to our development team. So yes, you can find all that at earthapp.com, including some you know ways that we can be helpful and some things if you're having some issues with the app. Um, and so please use the website for feedback. We also check our DMs on Instagram all the time. So um, many folks are there on our DMs and that's awesome too. I love that you're listening. So the other question is, if you are a provider and you're not currently in your database, but you want to be proactive and let people know that you are welcoming, um, do you, can you list yourself? Can you, how, or, or is it only, how, how do people become part of your database? So people don't become part of our database, right? If someone has left a review about you and we kind of use publicly searchable information and Google places and things like that. So a user comes in, they say who their doctor is, it'll populate. They may say who the hospital is, that will populate as they put in the name. And then we go from there. We don't kind of create a database of doctors and providers. We actually let our users tell us where they are. Um, and Yeah, that's just one. If you have a, um, a home birth midwife, she's not probably going to be in a public da- database. So I was wondering how you add those types of providers. So right now, Earth only is accepting reviews for hospitals. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So we really view childbirth centers as part of the solution. So yeah. we are really focusing on where the systems have been most broken for black and brown folks. Got it. And so right now, so if you have a hospital-based midwife, yes, you can re- review that. Perfect. But we are really focused on those prenatal uh, providers that in hospital setting, if you do have a hospital-based midwife, um, and then again, we accept reviews from doulas who can leave anonymous reviews about what they're seeing at hospitals. And in the app, there is a special icon that appears when a doula leaves a review. So that a- Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's my favorite thing about this. Well, I mean, all of it, but, but as a provider my, or as a birth worker myself, I have seen unspeakable yes. things and I am so frustrated that of course, I don't have a voice. I mean, it's not my it's not my birth experience. But man, I've seen I've seen things that I sure wish I could leave a review about. Just let people know that as a fly on the wall, I witnessed things that shouldn't happen. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and know? that is part of this journey for me. It was like I was constantly in communities with doulas who do know those things, and they would whisper to clients, "Hey, don't go there, go there." And we really need to yeah. kind of take this information. And so doulas can leave anonymous reviews. It asks you a question about how many births you have attended. Um, at this particular facility, you will be asked a few questions about what you witness in terms of their care of, of black and brown folks in particular. Um, mm-hmm. And that will be displayed with a special icon because we do want to lift up and amplify what doulas are saying. Also, if you are a hospital-based midwife, you can leave a review and, and nurses. Um, only doctors Very are not cool. allowed in the app. So, you know, we, we want to offer this 360 perspective for birthing people that not just includes what their peers have said, but what other healthcare professionals and other birth workers have Yeah, because doulas do, they do see a lot. And I, I feel like as a birth worker myself, I get to see people practice truly who they are because they're not postulating. Like if it's two midwives together, they'll, there will be this 
this thing that the dance that they do with each other, right? Because they're both professionals, but nobody does a dance in front of me. I don't matter. I'm a filmmaker. So I get to see, you know, really who these providers are. I have another question about Earth. So what about um, people with disabilities? Um, are they able to use the app uh, or, or is there a place for them or is it just... And when you say Black disabilities, are you talking about as a filter? Or are you saying that do we have disability settings for people who may not have vision? Or vision? Oh, oh, good question. Well, I, I attended a birth as um, as a, 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 a birth worker for a um, deaf woman. And the abuse I witnessed was unspeakable. And I and I know 100% that it was because she was deaf. Yeah. And so would that be some a place where Earth could have stories about that or is that that's not a, that's such a great yet. question Sarah not yet um, right now we're really focused on uh, race ethnicity sexual orientation um, and gender identification and so we kind of center those identities first but this is such a great point around other disabilities that we could certainly add to our filters and and our in our audience going forward it is very wow. very important and we do feel like earth is ultimately a tool for all marginalized groups um, and yeah. that that is the goal so right now we are centering black and brown folks but as we expand we will be you know our, our mission is to be a tool for all marginalized groups including lgbtqia plus communities um, and other disabled communities are certainly something we will wow thank you so much this has been really an interesting conversation and i think um, that this resource is incredible, that it's been a long time coming, <laughs> that, it's, that the timing right now is perfect for Earth, that you have, you're centered and poised for some incredible change. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited about the potential um, that we can start using our consumer power, that we can use yeah. experiences and that I think there's great momentum uh, in the space and in this conversation right now. So I think we're, um, I'm, I'm glad that we're here to contribute and be a part of it. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much thank for you, having me. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.